It is a Friday edition here of the Midday Program on KRVN. Scott in here with you along with Brandon Bennett. And there is Bob Brogan and Susan Littlefield all present and accounted for on uh, what has been a week that will, uh, I guess, go down in history as one of the more unique weeks ever. And uh, I don't know... I don't know how else to put it. Susan Littlefield is here with us. Maybe she's got better words for us. I don't know. It's just been something. It has been something. The extrovert in me is going absolutely berserk. Yes, and not not a good time to be. It is an extraordinarily good time to be introverted, however. So, you know. Exactly. <laughs> so good for them. Good for them. So what do you got for us today? Well, we're going to look at the weather in the last 24 hours. Boy, I tell you, somebody gets, needs to get some Prozac or something from Mother Nature. <laughs> she threw it all at us, and we'll find out more details about what we can expect in the coming days from Al Dutcher. Then stepping in at 1245, we all know that COVID-19 has had its impacts on a variety of different things, including the ethanol industry. So we're going to find out more from Chabella Guzman. And then wrapping it all up at 117, Nebraska 4-H Extension Educator shares about their new virtual at-home learning opportunities for youth. And I've seen a few of them. They're pretty darn cool. Oh, really? Okay. All right. Yeah. Very good. Well, there's lots of creativity out there, that's for sure. So. There is, and if you're into plays and theater, mm-hmm. there is a free showing of Cinderella tonight, thanks to the folks at Broad- Broadway. Really? No kidding. Yes, okay. and it's on, it's on my Facebook page. I am, I'm in there. I will check that out. All right. Thank you All very right, much. All right, sounds good. Thank you. Have a weekend. You too. We turn it over to Brandon Bennett, and uh, hello, Brandon. To Susan's point earlier, I completely agree, because at one point in time yesterday in the state of Nebraska, we had a blizzard warning, yep. a winter storm warning, a winter weather advisory, a, th- a severe thunderstorm warning, and a tornado warning. And a pandemic. All, so. at, all at the same time, and a pandemic, and a, and a pandemic and a pear tree. Mm. Uh, have you ever had a day in your life that cost you $10.5 million? Uh, not, I'm going to say no. No, no I don't think so. Answered for you in advance. Okay, uh, that happened to Todd Gurley yesterday, but Ooh. you know, all is not lost with him. He did sign a new contract. We'll talk about that. And... Tom Brady finally is going to get paid for what is worth. Bless his heart. Sometimes it's been voluntarily. Sometimes he's been voluntold to keep his salary down to help the New England Patriots. Well, in this case, he's going to get his money. $30 million a season. We're going to be talking about that. With everything going on with COVID-19, the coronavirus right now, and athletics, there is one blessing in disguise. Leave it to Brady Bonzel to talk about how some athletes of his that were three one-hundredths of a second from going to the national tournament, going to the national indoor track meet, and how that actually turned out to be a good thing. They couldn't make it by three one-hundredths of a second. All right. Very good. Let's turn it over to Bob Brogan. And uh, how are stocks doing today, stocks are Well, stocks are on the rise, moving higher, finding some higher ground. Uh, above the uh, they're rising above the virus we shall we should say also uh treasury secretary steven mnuchin says the trump administration has decided to push the income tax filing date to later in the year the transportation security administration is reporting the lowest number of passengers at u.s airports ever recorded by the agency and uh amid a surge in layoffs because of the uh, virus at least two major retailers are hiring in a big de- in a big way, Walmart being one of them. So those are the stories we're keeping an eye on. All right, that's all coming up on mid. 
Rely on KRVN for up-to-date information on COVID-19. From closings, the latest governor's press conference, and DHHS virus reports, we'll bring you the facts and latest news on the coronavirus. Visit our coronavirus information tab at krvn.com for up-to-the-minute local and state news and tune in every weeknight at 5 p.m. for a special KRVN this evening. Depend on KRVN to keep you informed on COVID-19. There it is. I got the button. It took me a second. Paul, Paul Perkins in here. I'm not sure what that was all about, but we're here. It is. Uh, it was uh, just a perfect way to end a weird week with a snowstorm and a cold day. Yeah, it was one of those March storms that yes. brings everything. Yeah, as Brandon mentioned, everything from tornadoes and severe thunderstorms to blizzard conditions in the west, and still a lot of snow over much of. Uh, oh, we'll say north central to northeast Nebraska, mm-hmm. back to southwestern Nebraska. Missing out on a lot of the snow was basically to the southeast of Grand Island and Kearney and York area. And then, But a big area of snow on the visible satellite field. You can really make it out today since we do have clear skies. Um, a lot of that snow mainly along the northwest of the line from about Fremont to Grand Island, Kearney, Lexington, and McCook. Then there's a bit of a lack in the coverage over the North Platte area, just to the north of North Platte and right around North Platte in northern Lincoln County. Not a whole lot of snow, but in the surrounding areas, a lot of snow there. I tell you, the, the visual satellite image is so cool because you can see all the tributaries and the, yeah. the Nibrera and the Elkhorn and, uh, and some and of the, the other And the irrigation dams and yeah, everything. And yeah. like Sherman Dam or Lake McConaughey. And yes, That's right. It's really cool. Yeah. But otherwise, the temperature is warming. Uh, not too quickly right now in the upper tw- upper teens to low 20s. Most of us in the low and mid-20s, I should say. We do have some still mid and upper teens as you head towards Broken Bow and Ord on into north-central Nebraska. And still a bit of a wind chill this uh, late morning here with many of us with wind chills at about 5 to 10 above in Nebraska. Low and mid-teens as you head towards southeast Nebraska to northern Kansas where they don't have a whole lot of snow cover. Today is sunny for the change, but with temperatures still about 20 degrees colder than normal on this first full day of spring, winds will decrease out of the north and northeast where with Arctic high pressure sliding off from North Dakota to Minnesota, we will see a brief increase in cloud cover for tonight with some easterly upslope winds against the front that's to our west. But those clouds not going to last long. Tomorrow will be warmer with some sunshine. Temperatures still slightly cooler than normal as we get a southerly flow on the backside of high pressure. Low pressure crossing Kansas will increase the chance for some mainly rain across Kansas into far southern Nebraska tomorrow night into Sunday morning. Sunday will be warmer but with some clouds off that area of low pressure to our south. Better chances of rain, maybe a thunderstorm on Monday night with the system crossing the plains. Forecast models do differ greatly on that system on where the most rain will fall. Next week, overall shaping up to be seasonal or warmer than normal with the mildest days coming up on Tuesday and Wednesday in the 60s. We will see a cold front drop our temperatures back to the 50s on Thursday with some additional chances for mainly rain. In the long-term forecast, temperatures forecast to be mainly warmer than normal Wednesday through the first two days of next month in Nebraska, Kansas, and the eastern two-thirds of the U.S., Overall precipitation for Nebraska and Kansas should be near normal Wednesday through the 2nd of next month. And in some even longer range outlooks, the forecast for April is out. It predicts Nebraska and Kansas temperatures will be seasonal with slightly above normal precipitation. And the overall outlook for the months of April, May, and June expect slightly above normal temperatures 
and near normal to slightly above normal precipitation in Nebraska and Kansas. Weather factors in the market include a high threat of flooding in the northern Midwest this spring and mainly dry conditions in southern Brazil. A storm will continue to draw cold air southward across the plains and the Midwest. Tomorrow morning's low temperatures across the southern half of the high plains should range from 15 to 25, a lot of like what we saw this morning. Five-day rain totals along a front could reach about one to three inches from eastern Texas to the central and southern Appalachians. The northern plains mostly dry over the next five days. The Midwest can expect periods of rain the next week with field work disruption and some flooding likely. The northern Midwest has a very high chance of flooding this spring. That's after record precipitation last year, a wet winter, and their long-term forecast indicates above normal precipitation the next three months. The southern plains will be drier over the next five days. The drier areas of the southwest southern plains could be under stress from limited precipitation and windy conditions this past week. In southern Brazil, they will see very little rain the next week. That's after a dry weather reduced the soybean crop prospects in Rio Grande do Sul. Central and northern Brazil's rain will be heavier, where soybean and second crop corn production expected to be very large from some favorable moisture this season. You know, it's a, it's going to be interesting, Paul. You know, we, we've always been focused on weather here at KRVM, but I think that with the way things are right now, people are just going to be, weather's going to play an even bigger role because folks who could have said, oh, I'll be inside anyway, May not, may want to be outside, and yeah. it makes a difference. Just to get, uh, escape some of that cabin yeah, fever of exactly. not being able to go somewhere. Yeah, exactly. So so do your best to give us the best weather you can, okay. Paul, if you can work <laughs> on that. All right, thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Where do you check on your weather? Weather tab, krvn.com. Time again this week, we get to visit with our Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist, Al Dutcher. I'm Shaylee Peters, joining you now on the Rural Radio Network. And Al, uh, unfortunately, towards the end of this week, we see uh, winter decide to show back up as we try and get into our spring. But with that in mind, hopefully warmer days ahead. What can you tell us as far as the weather is concerned headed into the weekend and next week? Well, Scaly, uh, we we dealt with this storm system. It, it actually came out a little bit better in terms of its intensity than was originally forecasted, and some of the snow totals were backed off significantly, although there was a pretty good strip of moderate snow from the southern panhandle all the way east-northeastward through portions of the sand hill and up into the western portion of northeast Nebraska. Best total I've seen so far is six inches, but a lot of reports still haven't come in, which is not unexpected considering the amount of wind and that we're dealing with. But... If we get through today with these cooler conditions, we'll start to see a gradual warming trend as we start to see more troughing action in the western United States. And it's going to push a wave out as we go into uh, Sunday, or excuse me, uh, basically into Saturday, into Sunday a.m. There's a, there's a chance for a little bit of light moisture to move into southern Nebraska, particularly south-central southeast as that wave comes out and really impacts more of Kansas um, we're going to add about 10 degrees a day on our on our temperatures, and so we should make it up into the normal range, upper 40s, low 50s across the state as we get into on a Saturday and Sunday, and then maybe maybe pushing the 50s to maybe the 60 degree range as we get into Monday and Tuesday. But we're going to deal with another wave coming out Monday, or excuse me, Sunday night into Monday morning that will primarily move once again across Kansas and impact portions of South Central, Southeast, and Central Nebraska during the overnight hours and the morning hours, and then that waves will basically intensify as they move eastward. So the real inclemently wet weather is going to be 
basic extreme eastern Nebraska and points off to these much drier conditions in western Nebraska and maybe even about 10 degrees warmer than eastern Nebraska is basically because you're going to be more confined toward the ridging pattern than you are to the troughing coming out of the southern United States. But as we go into the midweek period, the northern stream looks like it's going to start to become more active and a wave will come into the northern United States and basically start to sag southward as we get in that Wednesday to Thursday time frame. So there is showing some increasing chances of precipitation, particularly over the northwestern half of the state. And I guess that would be the best chance that we'll see for some rain-snow mix. So pay attention to this system because if we get enough cold air into it, of course, we've seen accumulating snowfall primarily over the northwestern one-third of the state. But more likely, as we get into the southern part of the state, we'll still remain back in the 60s until that cold front blasts through and on Thursday. Be a little bit cooler conditions for a couple days, but the big thing to watch out for is possibly that the cold air hanging up into the central Rockies and a wave moving essentially eastward as we get into the day on Friday, generating a little bit of light precipitation south of the Interstate 80 corridor. Right now, it doesn't look like much of a system, so it's pay attention to it. But after that, the ridge starts to build in, and it looks like some very warm conditions of the GFS models. Right, we'll see an increasing tendency toward warmer conditions of the southern plains building into our regions we ended the first of the month and would not be surprised we'll hit that 70 degree mark coming toward the end of the month early month and farther out it looks like maybe one little wave to worry about around the first and then it looks like a long stretch of above normal temperatures so maybe we can get some conditions to dry out as we get close to the planting season all right thanks al we'll continue to keep an eye on that and a reminder for updated weather information anytime and you can find all of al's features by visiting ruralradio.com i'm shaley peters and you're listening to the rural radio network Blender. It is time for us to take a look at the world of sports, and they're still churning out things. It's interesting to think about that this day and and yesterday would be the two days when the least amount of work actually get done uh, in in offices because of March Madness going. Uh, that's uh, we're being just as efficient as heck today. So we how can you be as efficient as heck? <laughs> would you would you define that for me, well, please, sir? I'm just sir? saying, as opposed to give me a metric the, for efficient, as opposed to what we were before right. uh, on a Thursday and the Friday, the first beginning of March. It is ironic, isn't it? When you think about it, nobody wanted to work and everybody wanted to stay home to watch March Madness, and now everybody can uh, kind of stay home and there's no March Madness to watch. There was an irony brought up earlier in the newsroom, and I will not tell you which of our esteemed and highly valued colleagues brought it up but if in fact we all do get a check from the federal government of twelve hundred dollars what are we most likely going to do we're going to buy things most Mm -hmm. likely where from china (laughs) lots of ironies involved in all of this what do you got for us today? six-time super bowl champion tom brady is going to get some money coming his way which not that he really needs it or his supermodel wife but you know hey it's you know Good work if you can get him. He signed a two-year contract with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, saying he is embarking, quote, on a new football journey. And as you mentioned yesterday, if there's ever a place to be in the prime of your life, Tampa Bay, there could be worse places. He's 42 years old, and he'll spend the next... He spent the first 20 years of his career with the New England Patriots, of course. It gets cold there in the winter. He announced his decision earlier today on an Instagram post. So thank the Bucks for the opportunity. The deal is worth $30 million per season. 
That'd buy you a nice place. Signing comes three days after, of course, he announced on social media that he would not be returning to the England, to the New England Patriots, ending his historic run. Joins an offense last year that actually led the NFL in passing yards, featuring a pair of 1,000-yard wide receivers, a couple tight ends that are pretty good, and a young developing running back in Ronald Jones. Now, what the Bucks didn't have last year with Jameis Winston, they went 7-9, and missed the playoffs for the 12th straight season because Jameis earned himself into the ominous 30-30 club. Now, in baseball, that's a big deal. But in football, when you throw 30 touchdowns and throw 30 interceptions, that's not a good thing. No. About an hour ago, I talked about how one day could cost you $10.5 million. The Atlanta Falcons have agreed to a one-year deal with three-time Pro Bowl running back and former Georgia star Todd Gurley one day after he was released by the Los Angeles Rams. It's a shrewd business move by the Rams. If Los Angeles had not cut Todd Gurley or trade him by 4 p.m. Eastern time yesterday, he would have been owed his $5.5 million base salary for 2020 and a $5 million roster bonus. By cutting him four hours early, by not keeping him one more day on the payroll, they saved themselves $10.5 million in salary and $17.5 million against the cap. Last week, when the NCAA and the MIAA announced the end of all spring sports activities, for the, U- for the University of Nebraska Kearney track teams, they had athletes at the national indoor meet and were recalled the day before it started. They were actually already in Birmingham. However, might have been a blessing in disguise in that scenario, as head coach Brady Bonzel explains. The men's distance medley relay, you know, in a race that's almost 10 minutes long, had missed qualifying for nationals by three hundredths of a second. Looking at it now, that would have been four athletes, that would have been two more coaches, and probably a, an alternate. So rather than a travel party of five at Nationals, it would have been a travel party of 12, and it would have been that much harder to get everybody back as quickly as we did. Because we were pretty fortunate that the team, the ones that weren't able to compete, they found out one afternoon and the next morning they were on a flight at 5 a.m. and in Omaha by 10 a.m. So, you know, sometimes you look at things like that where we were really disappointed with some of our near misses qualifying-wise, and, and some of those people were really excited about the outdoor season, but, yeah, you know, it might have worked out in our favor, actually. A little bit of a blessing in disguise there. And congratulations goes out to Southwestern Conference. All conference boys and girls basketball teams announced today from Cozad Jacob Weatherly on the first team. On the third team, McGuire Bartlett from Gothenburg and Nolan Watovic from Gothenburg on the third team. On the women's side, Alexis Blevin from Gothenburg, first team. Sarah Hutquist from Minden on the second team. And Mackenzie Lee from Cozad on the third team. All conference, Southwestern Conference, girls and boys basketball teams announced earlier today. All right, good news that they get some of those things out, even though we can't uh, talk a lot about what they've done right now. We can talk about what they've finished. Coaches can still vote electronically. We like that. Thank you, Brandon. Senator Ben Sass, a member of the Senate Finance Subcommittee on Health Care, is calling on the Health and Human Services Secretary to waive regulations to aid rural hospitals in combating the coronavirus. I'm calling on Secretary Alex Azar and the Department of Health and Human Services to give our rural hospitals the maximum flexibility possible throughout this whole epidemic. Our healthcare workers are doing a great job. We can be proud of them. The least we can do is to make their jobs as easy as possible and get the bureaucracy out of the way. On another matter, SAS calls proposals by the White House and Congress to provide aid to businesses and workers really dumb. SAS was one of just eight senators who voted Wednesday against a bipartisan aid bill that was subsequently signed by the president. 
The $100 billion bill enhances unemployment insurance, ensures that businesses offer two weeks of paid sick leave, increases funding for food acceptance programs, and guarantees free testing for the coronavirus. SAS blasted the measure as being rused and amounting to shoveling money out of a helicopter. A Colorado man is accused of killing a woman whose body was found in a western Nebraska retention pond. Lincoln County court records say 40-year-old William Stanback is charged with first-degree murder and two weapons counts. Authorities have said he fatally shot his fiancée, 42-year-old Kimberly Ermey. Her body was recovered from the North Platte Pond on March 3rd. She lived in Greeley, Colorado, as does Stanback. He's being held in Lincoln County Jail on a $5 million bail. There's a misconception state rest areas along Interstate 80 are being closed. Nebraska Department of Transportation engineer Gary Thayer says some of the restrooms have been closed in cases where vandalism has taken place, specifically thefts of toilet paper. But Thayer says the traveling public and truckers are allowed to use the parking areas. Thayer also requested the public's help in curbing the thefts. We, we just really appreciate uh, people helping to self-police our, these public areas. If uh, they see something that they don't think is correct, please report it. Uh, call uh, 911, call, call local uh, state patrol um, so we can get somebody there uh, to try to curb some of this uh, activity. A Department of Transportation spokeswoman says that some state rest areas are staffed and some are not. The spokeswoman says that rest areas will be closed as a result of the thefts when an attendant is not present. A new survey of bankers in rural parts of 10 plains and western states suggests they expect the economy to slow down over the next few months as the nation deals with the coronavirus outbreak. The overall index of the region fell to 35.5 in March from February's healthy 51.6 reading. Any score below 50 suggests a shrinking economy. Creighton University economist Ernie Goss says 61% of the bankers surveyed expect the measures being taken to fight the coronavirus to lead to a recession. For more news anytime or any updates on the COVID-19 outbreak, go to krvn.com. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Austin Jacobson. Visit the Agra Virtual Trade Show today at krvn.com. Now through Saturday, check out the vendors' booths from the latest products, technology, services, and job opportunities. You can see it all from the comfort of your office or tractor cab. Visit the Agra Virtual Farm Show at krvn.com today. And while you're there, visit each vendor's booth to register for a $600 go light. The home agency Elwood, Tiger Jaw, Tools for Pasture Cleaning, Ward Laboratories, Carney, and Western Irrigation, Hastings, and Garden City, Kansas. The ethanol industry has been fighting a recent battle with the EPA and small refinery waivers. But now it's shifting gears to meet the challenge of the coronavirus. I'm Chabella Guzman with the Rural Radio Network. Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association, says on top of having to deal with COVID-19 and all it brings, the industry was already facing demand destruction. Motor fuel demand is plummeting, and most analysts today are expecting about a 20 to 25 percent drop in consumption in the near term. We've seen ethanol prices fall to record lows. Uh, April ethanol futures closed at 95 cents per gallon yesterday. Uh, they're back up over a dollar uh, this morning. So it's not surprising then uh, these are some of the worst margins that we've seen in, in the industry's history. Cooper and other ethanol industry leaders held a conference call yesterday to update members and the public. 
Randy Doyle, CEO of Alcorn Clean Fuel in Minnesota, says the destruction of demand is already having direct impacts on facilities, employees, and communities. It's impacting the entire industry. We haven't seen anything like this since uh, the financial collapse, and that impact on our industry was, frankly, fairly short. This one, I'm afraid, we will all feel for much longer than we want, and it's it's not going to be good. We may be forced with uh, shutdowns due to uh, logistics issues, not being able to move the product out because all of our customers' tanks are full and then ours are full. I would say that that looks almost inevitable from where I'm sitting, that we will see that. Some wonder if ethanol plants can make hand sanitizer. Chad Freezy, CEO of Chippewa Valley Ethanol in Minnesota, says their plant does make hand sanitizer, but it's not easy for ethanol plants to switch gears from fuel to hand sanitizer. The the quality is is a huge concern to the market, too. You need uh, U.S. pharmaceutical quality um, because it's going to be coming in contact with, with people and, and their skin and and those types of things. So you're already in a cost structure issue. So to slow, slow, slow a fuel plant down and maintain the same economics in order to meet those those quality specifications is, is a lot of additional cost. And uh, if there's no, no upside in it, your volume that you're gonna produce is so small compared to what you were as a fuel producer. And the quality spec is so much tighter that most will not be able to, to, to make that conversion. Freezy says the smaller plants, which make beverage-grade ethanol, are able to switch to hand sanitizer production. And I think that's probably a better fit for the market because they're already in that consumption, pharmaceutical-grade space. So uh, we may see a little less uh, vodka on the shelves at the, at the liquor store, but... Uh, we'll get an increased supply of hand sanitizer coming to market over the next uh, week, 10 days. The economic stress the industry is facing right now is causing some plants to idle, but everyone is trying to keep employees. Cooper says labor costs, including wages and benefits, for a typical plant run in the range of about 6 to $0.08 cents per gallon. Scott Richmond, chief economist of Renewable Fuels Association, says the economic conditions are deteriorating. I would estimate that average spot margins in the industry were roughly negative 25 cents per gallon at yesterday's prices. So uh, losing 25 cents per gallon on uh, every gallon produced uh, on a spot basis, uh, that's, uh, <laughs> that's very far in the red. As a result of this, several others have stopped buying corn or are only receiving previously contracted bushels. Richmond says they also don't have any definite numbers on the idling plants, as the situation is so fluid. In the past, he says, the downturn of fuel consumption, such as the Gulf War, 9-11, and the 2008 recession, the loss was somewhere between 13 to 20 percent, but it rebounded fairly rapidly, except in the recession. Those are a few uh, examples of what's happened in the past when we've had shocks. We're just going to have to see how long virus-related constraints were imposed, We're going to have to see how many people will lose their jobs, and we're going to have to see how quickly the economy recovers when the constraints are lifted. So it's difficult to put a specific number on how much much transportation fuel consumption uh, is going to decline and therefore how much uh, ethanol consumption uh, is going to decline in the coming weeks and months, Uh, but those are some things to look out for.
Doyle says, like everyone else, the virus is impacting the industry, but they are working to keep their employees safe and to keep their plant open. It would be tragic to have these shut down. The reason that, that our company was founded was because of a group of farmers who wanted to do something more to improve the economics of their rural community. That's why they've expanded it so many times over the years to the size it is now, because they wanted to continue to, to grow that economic uh, engine. We've created a huge market for their corn. It's increased the economy for everyone, not just for for the folks who built the facility, but all their friends and neighbors as well. It impacts all of our rural communities in a very positive way. Take that away, it's an incredibly negative impact. Cooper says this is like nothing the industry has ever experienced before, and no one knows how quick things will turn around. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. here on this Friday afternoon. Time for our business report here on Midday KRVN. Scott in here with you. Bob Brogan coming up momentarily. Stocks uh, after an initial surge are down a little bit. We'll get to that. The Japanese Nikkei down 171 points in the overnights. But the Hong Seng and Hong Kong up over nearly over 1,200 points. The London FTSE was up 39, and the German DAX index up a a lot, 318 points. Good news there. Uh, The 10-year Treasury bond was down 17% today, so it's down to 0.93 percentage point on the yield. For the uh, stock market from from New York, we take a look at the Dow Jones Industrial Average. It was originally up 444 points. Uh, and this morning, and then after the COVID tax uh, task force, COVID nineteen tax force gave their uh, their little talk, it went down, and now it is down one hundred and ninety points, down below twenty thousand. The Nasdaq is down seventeen, and the S and P down twenty four. Here's Bob Brogan for more. Well, what goes up can go down. Um, earlier stocks were moving higher, and uh, now they're down. As Scott mentioned, uh, about 160-some points. And uh, Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin says the Trump administration, in the meantime, has decided to push the income tax filing date to July 15th from April 15th. Mnuchin announced the decision in a tweet today saying that all taxpayers and businesses will have additional time to file and make payments without interest or penalties. The Transportation Security Administration reporting the lowest number of passengers at U.S. airports ever recorded by the agency. TSA reports that almost 624,000 people passed through its outbound checkpoints yesterday, and that compares with 2.4 million on the same day a year earlier. Amid a surge in layoffs because of the coronavirus pandemic, at least two major retailers are hiring in a big way. Walmart, the nation's largest retailer, says it plans to hire 150,000 U.S. hourly workers for its stores and distribution centers through the end of May as online orders surge. The jobs are temporary, but Walmart says many will become permanent. And a company spokesman says uh, Walmart is reaching out to industry groups in the restaurant and hospitality industries, which are getting slammed by lockdowns and travel bans. 
A survey suggests the virus outbreak will slow the economy. That survey of bankers in rural parts of 10 plains and western states suggests they expect the economy to slow down over the next few months as the nation deals with the coronavirus outbreak. The overall index for the region fell to, 50, uh, fell to 35.5 in March from February's healthy 51.6 reading. That's quite a, that's quite a drop. Yeah, it is. Jeez. Any score below 50 suggests a shrinking economy. Creighton University economist Ernie Goss says 61% of the bankers surveyed expect the measures being taken to fight the coronavirus to lead to a recession. So that, uh, that R word being thrown in there. Lots of stuff going on in the world today. The, uh, like we said, the uh, stocks are down right now. All right. Thanks a lot, Bob. This is Alex Wojcicki with the Rural Radio Network. Join me every other Thursday for the Angler Entrepreneurship Journey. We hear from entrepreneurs from across the state to learn about their businesses. But more importantly, we learn about their journeys and how they got to where they are today. Interested in entrepreneurship? Join us to learn more about the Angler Agribusiness Entrepreneurship Program at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln every other Thursday at 1219 right here on 880-KRVN. And if you missed the program, you can listen to the podcast at ruralradio.com. Nebraska 4-H is making the best out of kind of a crazy situation. I'm Alex Wojcicki on the Rural Radio Network, joined on the phone by Tracy Prachel. She's an extension educator with Nebraska 4-H. Tracy, thanks so much for joining us. Yes, I appreciate being asked to come and share more about Nebraska 4-H. Yeah, well, tell us about what you guys are are doing to kind of encourage some at-home learning. Right. So we we do recognize that youth right now are currently learning in their homes, and Nebraska Extension is very well positioned and, and ready to share more information with youth across the state about education and, and new areas that they maybe are learning about. Um, while many schools and other entities are, are closed because of the COVID-19, Nebraska 4-H Youth Development is, is really committed to serving the needs of, of youth and their families across our state. Uh, so Nebraska 4-H has developed a variety of virtual learning experiences and actually also self-paced opportunities and activity guides that parents and caregivers can use. Um, they're perfect for hands-on learning at home. And we have two new live virtual learning experiences that are being offered, all via Zoom, a video conferencing. And one of those is Living Room Learning, and the other one is Board and Buster Challenge. Very awesome. Well, give us an idea kind of of, we'll start with Living Room Learning. Tell us what that is and, and what children are doing. Right. So Living Room Learning is held Tuesday and Thursday afternoons at 2 p.m. Central, and it really features simple activities that really don't require a lot of supplies. Um, This past week, we completed an experiment with glitter bombs and learned about chemical reactions. And this past week, we also learned about building a robot hand. Uh, We have things scheduled for the future, including paper marbling with a purpose, and then also robotics, um, rocketry, lots of areas that we're looking at with healthy snacking and physical fitness, things that really do not require a lot of supplies, um, but are very much topics that we want to address and to to learn more about with youth. 
I think youth are seeing that it's been fun to join these and connect with other kids across the state and even across the nation. They are able to see the faces and, and learn more about um, youth across the state as well. So it's been a fun way to interact with people um, when we're not able to physically do that. Uh, Board and Buster Challenge is actually for a little bit older of youth. Um, those will be held Mondays and Wednesdays at 2 p.m., and it's designed for middle school students. Uh, we're going to be giving youth a problem to solve using materials that are actually found in their home as well. Um, entrepreneurship is one of the focus areas for this particular um, learning experience, and we are excited to, to share that and debut that next week. We kind of talked before we got recording. This is reaching a lot of people, isn't it? It is. We've hosted this for the very first time um, on Tuesday, and we had about 200 participants. Um, we held another one this past week on Thursday and had about 270 participants. So we're excited to um, continue to hopefully grow our numbers and to, to share more with others about the 4-H program. Tracy, if parents want to get their children involved in this, what's the best way to get registered and get this information? If they can go to 4h.unl.edu, um, you'll receive information about living room learning and boredom busters, as well as more information about the 150 4-H project areas that exist. Um, the living room learning and the boredom busters are just a few samples of our 4-H programs that happen throughout the year, but they can also learn more about 4-H program in their local communities and also opportunities to learn more about our uh, priority areas of 4-H, whether it's STEM, healthy living, entrepreneurship, career education, and much more. Thanks so much for joining us. That was Tracy Prachel. She's an extension educator with Nebraska 4-H. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. As the grain settlements start to roll in, a pretty positive day here, John, for the soybeans and that meal market making a big boost here at the end. Yeah, and it's kind of the, you know, we don't export a lot in this country, but what gets exported, especially to China, who's been essentially shut down for a month, uh, is going to boom right now. And that's where, you know, soybeans, soy meal, um, they've got to get off, up, up off their feet here as far as feed goes, uh, getting inflation in their own country. So it'll be interesting to see how, um, how things go here. You know, China and the U.S. obviously share a lot of uh, the same problems right now. The China's a couple of weeks ahead of where the U.S. is. But if you if you read the tea leaves between President Trump, I mean, if he seems furious as uh, any press conference comes up, he really doesn't uh, let a, let an opportunity slide to, to kind of jive at them. And I, boy, I tell you what, I don't know if that that helps soybean demand in the in the very near term. Um, but at this point, with meal rallying, China will buy wherever they can get it, and that right now will be the U.S. Now that we did see a little bit of tick up in the corn market today with that big purchase by China, are we maybe moving into a little bit more of a sideways market versus the bear market we've been in this week? I think it depends on what crude oil does. I think it's one big crude trade right now. I mean, if gas, I think it's being supported by the rest of the grain complex, wheat obviously being a friendly friendly part of that. But uh, if, if crude doesn't rally and get out of the 20s, then um, I don't think corn has any shot at seeing $4 again on that new crop. So... You know, that's that's a big game here with ethanol, and, uh, you know, that that kind of demand is not just going to come back with low prices like this. It's got to go way down for, for the feed to really make sense. Then, again, looking at that wheat complex, still some very positive news coming out from there. With the cold temperatures we're seeing across the Midwest, is the supply on the hard red winter wheat going to be a thought on the acres possibly damaged? Well, I think that's part of it, but the other part is, 
you know, France is on the verge of becoming the next Italy here. And, you know, we're all in the same boat where we got to get this crop out and it needs to get going. And the, the one concern I, I look on one side, if you want to go home rosy this week, you look at China and the strides they've been making to get off the, you know, proverbial mat. Um, Italy needs to make those strides in the next week, week and a half. Otherwise, the global economy is in trouble. Um, the U.S., I think, is on it. feels like most folks have kind of bought in here. And, you know, I think grain is going to perform in this environment, especially if we launch, launch a stimulus package that, that would bring out, uh, that would really hammer the dollar. And I think that's what they're going to try to do here. They're just going to really try to take the dollar down. Farmers will benefit from that. I'm not sure about corn, but uh, wheat, soybeans certainly will. Cattle as well. Hogs, too. Again, we're talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing. Learn more at danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, trading futures and options involves risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors. And that's going to do it for our midday program here for Friday. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to hear the midday program in its entirety, you can go to podcast at krvn.com. Brought to you by Devaney Motors. Howdy folks, this is Rick from Divinity Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DaviniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Divinity deal.